I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome along to this episode of La Liga Lowdown, also rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157. I'm your host Jim McTeer and we have guests from across Spain and beyond coming up as we tell the story of Match Day 5. It was a match day that started off with 3-0-0 draws in the first four games of the weekend, but then we had a truly super Sunday. It was especially super for Athletic Club and for Real Madrid, who both won to move on to 11 points each making them joint leaders at this early stage. Del más pequeñito, del pececito, que llega para empujarla, que llega para incrustarse, que llega para hacer el segundo. Marca Iker, marca Muniain, marca el Atlético. Athletic Club kept up their impressive home form with a 2-0 win in Babao in their Basque derby against Alaves. After Iñaki Williams, was brought down in the area in the first half, Raul Garcia stepped up to put them ahead from the spot. Then in the second half, Iker Munyain was able to bundle himself and a couple of Alaves players into the goals. Importantly, the ball was in that melee somewhere as well and crossed the line for the second. Athletic keep up their stunning home form. They've not lost at home at San Mames since last October. I mean, that's just wow. In the final game of the round, we had the partidazzo of the weekend, the big blockbuster game. It was Sevilla versus Real Madrid, Julian Lopetegui versus Zinedine Zidane, Sergio Reguilon versus Ferland Mendy, Jesus Navas versus Danny Carvajal, the Estadio Sanchez Biswan versus Sergio Ramos and the team from the capital came out on top. A 1-0 win thanks to Karim Benzema's header from Danny Carvajal's floated cross to earn Real Madrid their first victory at Sevilla since the 2014-15 season. Coming just a few days after their 3-0 job in the PSG in the Champions League, this was a huge win for Real Madrid and we speak now to Real Madrid fan and writer Christopher McCormick of the Madrid story, manager Madrid, these football times, and more. So, Christopher, Real Madrid are joint top of the table now. Is the mini crisis over? I think what we need to emphasise with this performance, as much as it was a very good performance, that it's the first 90 minutes that Real Madrid have played properly since Zidane came back at the start of the year. We've had hints of what this team's capable of. Brilliant performance, obviously, but I think until we go into the next game and see if Madrid can build off this, if Zidane can, takes this game as something that he can build on instead of just a one-off strategy to beat Sevilla, uh, we can't know if the crisis is over. 
That next game is against Osasuna at home on Wednesday night. You'd probably expect them to win that one, but then I don't really know with Real Madrid. Why is it that they can win when they're not expected to and then not win when they are expected to? What's with that? I think they are pressure performers. I think they perform when the pressure is on them. You would expect them to win against Osasuna, but uh, they perform against the big teams and then against the small teams like Ibar and Osasuna, they always struggle. So uh, it's it's hard to call. What impressed you the most about the win? Was it the effort, the clean sheet, Benzema showing that he's still in great form? What stood out for you? I think what impressed me the most was the way Madrid were able to beat Sevilla's press. It's been something that we've struggled with. I think we've struggled with across Zidane's era at the club. Even in his first era as well, we struggled with it. But since Modric lost, kind of has lost his uh, legs a bit with age after the World Cup last year, we, we've seen the team very much struggle to be even the most basic of presses. And, you know, I think there was no better example of that than against Paris on Wednesday. So I was very impressed to see not only Zidane having noted how much we struggled in Paris with the press, but to have corrected it so much, which led to Madrid having some wonderful sequences of play throughout that Sevilla game and were, was really key to the victory, I think. What could be sweeter for Real Madrid than a win at Sevilla? Well, if it's combined with a Barcelona defeat and the Catalan club's own trip to Andalusia, then that would do nicely for them, wouldn't it? And that's exactly what happened. Barcelona went to newly promoted Granada and it was as tough as Granada's recent form suggested it might be. Lionel Messi is back from injury but wasn't fit enough to start and watched on as his side went 1-0 down to an early Ramon Aziz goal before Aziz then man-marked Frankie de Jong and therefore Barcelona into ineffectiveness. Alvaro Vadillo's second half penalty made that a comfortable win for the Granada fans, one of whom is Heath Chesters and we spoke to him about one of the most special matches he's attended. Keith, you were at the game. What was it like to be there and to experience it? When we were texting after the game, you said this was your Champions League. What did you mean by that? <laughs> well, it's um, it's unlikely we're ever going to win the Champions League in Granada, so um, getting the chance to beat Barcelona or Real Madrid every now and again, um, that's our Champions League and they beat them convincingly. How much was it a case of Granada being amazing or Barcelona being amazingly poor? I think, in fairness, it's probably a mixture of the two. I think, as I've said all along, uh, Granada are a very well-organised side, and this is a much different Granada to the last time they were in Primera Division. So I think when they do the marker... Uh, 11, which has been a Granada player's featured every week so far this season. Uh, I think they should just put a badge of Granada, um, all the 11 <laughs> players for Granada, because that's that's what they are. They're a team um, in capital letters underlined, and that's how they performed every game so far this season. Now, at the start of the season, I tipped Granada for relegation. It could still happen, but more likely is that I was just horribly wrong. How were Granada so underrated at the start of the season by me and I think by many others as well? I think in fairness, it's because any of the newly promoted clubs are going to struggle in Primera usually. La Liga's got a long history of that. I think most people were predicting that that all the newly promoted teams would struggle this season. Um, However, I think a lot of it stems for Granada um, as being one of the most recent teams to have gone down of the newly promoted teams and given how poor they were last time they, they, they went down. 
So with that sort of track record, then people look at Granada back in La Liga and just think, not much chance for them again. But um, I, I think a lot of people have undervalued Granada, have undervalued how much the club has evolved in the last two years. One thing that's really struck me is that the goals are being spread around. They've scored 11 already, which is the third most in the league. But only two players have multiple goals. That's Antonio Puertas and Ramon Aziz. The other goals have all come from other players. How exciting is it to know that almost everyone in the team has a goal in them? Well, it's great to to have a a team with so many outlets for goals. People that not only can knock the ball in from short distance, but also can take a, a pop from long range, like um, Yangel Herrera the other week at Celta Vigo. Uh, I mean, that was a, that's an absolute peach of a goal. It's not just an attack that Granada have been good after that sort of weird 4-4 draw with Villarreal to start the season. They've conceded just one since, and on Saturday they limited Barcelona to just one shot on target. How good is the back line? I keep banging on about it, um, but it's it's the overall team philosophy. They they play as a unit, they defend as a unit, they attack as a unit. They get the numbers back, they get the numbers forward. Um, there's a lot of ebb and flow to this team, uh, and in some respects, it reminds me of perhaps uh, Atleti of a few years ago. Um, in that you know you've got the the pasito pasito, the one game at a time sort of mentality. You know, never look too far ahead. Uh, Everybody pulls together. Everybody works hard. It's Barcelona's worst start to La Liga season in 25 years, but it hasn't been much better for their city neighbours, Espanyol, who lost 3-1 to Real Sociedad. Here's our man in Barcelona, Roman de Arquer, to discuss their woes. So that was another defeat for Espanyol. That's their third of the season. They have just four points. Roman, what's gone wrong for them? Well, I think there's possibly two reasons uh, this is happening. One of them is the change of coach. I think moving on from Gallego uh, has made them play now with a 4-4-2. It's a different formation, formation, a change of system, and that's kind of uh, complicating things. Players like Darder or Wule aren't adapting too well to the system, so it's something um, they're going to have to look into. And also the other reason is they've lost two key players. Borja Iglesias and Mario Hermoso, I think, last season were crucial for the team. And now they don't have these players and they haven't really um, found replacements for them. So it's something they're struggling with and the the games they're playing are, are an example of that. They had the first Europa League match on Thursday night, but it was a pretty disappointing 1-1 draw against Ferenc Varros. The fans clearly expect more, as you could tell by the whistles for the players in Sunday's defeat to Real Sociedad. Are the fans perhaps being too demanding? Yes, I think they are. Um, I was an Espanol member a few years ago and I was going often to the stadium. And even though the, the team was getting okay results, they weren't like struggling at the bottom or anything. They were, they were getting points and all that. But when there was a bad game or the team wasn't playing too well, they were already whistling the players, whistling the coach. So I get the feeling that Espanol fans are a bit impatient. Let's talk a bit about Espanyol's Europa League commitments. Their only win this season came after the international break. Um, so that means it came in a week when they didn't have a Thursday night fixture. Are these midweek commitments really going to hurt Espanyol in La Liga? Absolutely. It's one of those things um, I mentioned in the first pod we did previewing the 1920 season, that if Espanyol made it to Europa League, I thought they would be struggling. And it seems like that's going to happen because... They don't really have the deep squad required to play three competitions, Copa del Rey, Europa League, uh, La Liga. And so when that happens, players um, get tired, they're going to struggle at some point and it's going to be very hard for them. 
What's happened to Wu Lei? After a really bright start, the Chinese striker seems to have had much less of an impact. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's a bit surprising, but I guess it has to do, again, that formation change. Because with a 4-3-3, he had all the wing to himself, the left wing. He could go up and down, move uh, behind the defender's backs, uh, find space towards the box. Whereas now he's more of a, a reference up front with the other striker, Kaleri in this case. And I'd say Chucky Ferreira, before he got injured, he was um, getting lots of goals. He was always starting, so that was um, taking opportunities away from Mule. And a word for Real Sofidad, we've talked about them before, but they still look quite good, don't they? Yeah, maybe their defense is a bit weak. It's not the best, but I mean, offensively, they just have so much attacking force. Uh, William Jose, Isaac, they both scored um, in the last game. Also, Odegaard, um, Oriarzaba, Januzaj, I mean, Porto, all these players are so, so interesting up front. And they're really good, not only um, in counterattacks, but also when it comes to having the ball and creating in a more positional play. They're also good at that. So, I mean, this team is, is one to look out for. So, struggles for the Barcelona teams, happiness in Bilbao and the white half of Madrid. But the weekend drew up so many more stories. Stay tuned for a look at the protests at Valencia, Atletico Madrid dropping more points and some Spanish women's football talk as well. That's all coming up after this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back along to this La Liga Lowdown Match Day 5 recap. I am your host, Jim McTeer, and we've already discussed some of the storylines from the weekend. I mentioned that we had three goalless draws, but they were all actually quite entertaining ones. To start the weekend, Osasuna kept up their unbeaten start to the season in the scoreless clash with Real Betis. Levante and Ibar then played out a basketball-esque back-and-forth encounter, but neither side could score. Then, Atletico Madrid were held to a goalless draw in front of their own fans as Celta Vigo came to town. 
Coming on the back of last weekend's 2-0 loss at Real Sociedad, that's got to be frustrating for Atletico Madrid fans. Atletico Madrid fans like Jeremy Barron of the SB Nation Atletico site into the Calderon. So let's speak to Jeremy now. How disappointing have these past two league games been for Atletico? Yeah, the past two league games have been disappointing for Atletico, especially after the perfect start, the dream start. Three wins from three capped off by that ridiculous comeback against Abar, breathing room over Barcelona and Real Madrid. Really couldn't have gone much better. But now Atletico have come back down to earth. The optimism that once abounded has kind of been tempered a bit after these last two results just one point from the past six that's not going to get you anywhere near a title challenge it's just not not good enough uh, the result at Real Sociedad perhaps not as surprising Atletico don't play well there three losses in the past four uh, they have also lost four of the past six dating back to 2014 but the result Saturday I think is more disappointing in my opinion famously Atletico have always been a defense first kind of team but they're especially struggling in attack to score goals this year just five from five matches one goal per game that's quite a bit down from the 1.45 goals per game of last season is this all down to Griezmann's departure you know it's an interesting one I don't believe, actually, it's, it's all down to Griezmann's departure. Because Griezmann, in this team the last couple of years, retained his influence. But Atletico, as a team, just struggled to score goals. Regardless, uh, could not hit 60 league goals in either of the past two seasons. 58 in 2017-18, 55 in 2018-19. Still finished second both seasons. But a lot of that, of course, rode on the strength of that renowned defense and the goalkeeping of John Oblak. We've been talking about Hector Herrera, the Mexican midfielder, on into the Calderon. He got his first start in this game. How did you think he did in central midfield? Yeah, Herrera's performance, I think, was good. He played well in his first start. But the caveat to that is I think he played well in a vacuum. He he did make the simple passes or the simple plays, completed 90% of his passes. Didn't venture forward a ton focused more defensively and he he did well didn't really put a foot wrong but Simeone dropped Thomas Party in favor of him and one of the key observations from the first month of the season is that in addition to Lodi and Trippier Thomas Party has been really important to Atletico the most essential midfielder in this team right now his ability to break lines with his passing and his ability to distribute differently than any other midfielder Atletico were much better in the final half hour after Thomas came on for Herrera. Thomas Party is a really good midfielder, and he does need to play as often as he can. So I think that was an error from Simeone. I'm not sure if he thinks Herrera and Thomas can play together. I still think Herrera is going to be crucial to this team as the season progresses. His composure, experience, poise, he will challenge the other four central midfielders. Jeremy, what are your expectations for Atletico this season? They've already dropped a lot of points in the league. But then so to have Barcelona and Real Madrid, can they actually win the title? My expectations for Atletico, that's a tough one. Uh, because I, I do think this team has the capability to challenge for a league title for the first time truly since 2015-16. La Liga may be topsy-turvy this season. Barcelona are off to a poor start. Real Madrid seem to kind of always be on the verge of teetering, don't they? Despite their talent, their reputation... But Atletico are kind of this really enigmatic, unpredictable team right now. We don't know really who they are. We don't 
know what they can be. We have an idea. Again, I think this team really could contend for the title if things break right for them. It's, again, this enigmatic kind of... It's a weird place to be in for Atleti, trying to develop this new identity. So we'll see. My expectations are that it will be one or the other. Atletico could be really, really good, or they could they could struggle a bit. Now that there is the sound of protest. Valencia had their first home fixture since the controversial sacking of Marcelino and fans took to the streets around Mestalla to voice their upset with the way the club has been run. Owner Peter Lim and President Anil Murti were targeted and they'd have loved for nothing more than a Valencia victory to calm the crisis talk. But Leganes didn't let them. The side from Madrid earned their first point of the season with a 1-1 draw, Oscar Rodriguez equalising after Danny Parejo had given Valencia a lead from the spot after one of the softest penalty decisions you'll see this season. Let's stay in the Valencian community now and speak to a Valencian man, Paco Pollitt, about the region's other two teams, Villarreal and Levante, who beat Real Valladolid 2-0 and drew 0-0 with Ibar, respectively. At the start of the season, Villarreal were conceding really late goals in matches, but now they've scored in the final minutes in two consecutive weeks. What's changed for them now to be the ones extending leads rather than conceding them? Just having that two-week break a few days ago has been very good for them because they had the time to work on those issues that plague their defence. And also, for example, Santi Cazorla is much fitter now and he's able to perform fully the whole 90 minutes. And we should also highlight Ontiveros as the key player of this game because even he was brought down inside the box for the penalty and later he scored the header for the 2-0. And I believe his impact in this team, remember he was one of the latest signings this summer, is only going to get bigger and bigger in future games. It's going to be interesting to see how Ontiveros does in this squad. Um, but yeah, some really nice substitutions there from Javi Calleja in this one. Moving on to another team, uh, moving on to Levante, they drew 0-0 against Ibar, even though they played pretty well for most of the match. What did you think of their performance? Um, the adjective here should be frustrating. For a few moments, Levante played proper football, very nice, showing off serious skills, but they bumped again and again into a wall. Sometimes made up of Eibar defenders, other times made up of a huge Dimitrovic performance and other times into just their own inability to score. It's two wins, one draw and two defeats for Levante. It's been very mixed. Will they be happy with this start to the season? Well, one of those defeats was as Bernabeu last week, which obviously isn't that bad. But the first one against Alaves really hurt the team's morale. You know, they managed to bounce back later against Villarreal. And then they added another late win against Valladolid. So yeah, they have been a mixed back to date. But seven points in five games, seven points out of 15 are nothing to scoff at. Remember that for both fans and the whole club, the goal this season, their target is hitting those sweet 42 points and remaining in these competitions next year. So I believe fans have reasons to be happy. Paco, who is Levante's first choice striker? Because I'm a little bit confused. Is it Borja Mayoral, Roger Marti, Sergio Leon? What's going on? They keep changing who plays up front for them. Yeah, well, it's confusing. You know, that's a very tricky question. Um, because, for example, I think Roger Marti is one of the most underrated forwards in La Liga. 
And yet, Paco López seems to be absolutely in love with Borja Mayoral, which I don't really rate that highly. About Sergio León, well, his start of season has been sluggish, because last year, with Betis, he barely played, so that was to be expected. All in all, the bottom line is, José Luis Morales will play, definitely, and then Levante's staff will, will toss a coin up in the air in order to pick the rest of the attacking front. There's only one more match from the La Liga Santander weekend to talk about, and it's the one with the most goals. Itafi took on Real Mallorca in the early game on Sunday and beat them 4-2. They'd raced into a 3-0 lead, but two goals in quick succession from Ante Budimir had Itafi fans sweating under the Sunday lunchtime sun. That was until Angel Rodriguez popped up with the fourth. To finish up, let's have a chat about the top division of Spanish women's football. We had the top fixture of the Spanish women's game this weekend as Barcelona hosted reigning champions Atletico Madrid. Here's Roman de Arquer again to tell us about his trip to the Estadi Johan Cruyff. Roman, you were there to see Barcelona achieve a 6-1 victory. Were you expecting a closer game considering this is a classical of Spanish women's football, Spain's two best teams of recent years? Indeed, um, everybody expected a much tougher game. And as a matter of fact, after three minutes, Atletico de Madrid were already 1-0 up. So that was kind of what you'd expect more, Atletico really fighting for it. But as soon as Barca scored the first goal, they just kept on coming. It was quite impressive. After the first half, they were already winning 4-1. And in the second half, they scored two goals, but it could have been 3-4-5. And they could have ended 9-1, honestly, like the game against Tacón. So it was very surprising how Atletico weren't uh, good at all in this uh, fixture. You mentioned that game against CD Tacón when they won 9-1. That was at home as well. They're loving this new stadium, aren't they? Can you tell us a bit about this new ground? Yeah, it's a lovely little stadium. It has a capacity for 6,000 people. And it's where the women's team is going to play as well as Barca B and uh, the younger boys who play in the UEFA Youth League. I think it's a very modern, very colourful um, stadium. It has nice graffitis in the surrounding walls with references to Johan Cruyff. And, and the atmosphere is great. There's also like a corner where fans are chanting for, for the Barca team. So it's, it's one of those stadiums worth a visit if you're around in Barcelona and quite easy to get access to, I think. So Barcelona Femini have landed the first blow in the title race. What's the expectation for this season's title race in Spanish women's football? Because Barcelona, they did draw away at Rayo Vallecano last week. So they're not perfect despite having a 13 goals goal difference after three weeks. Yeah, I actually think it's still a bit soon to see where they are exactly. They've only played three games in the league and one Champions League fixture. But I was speaking to the fans in the surrounding stadium and they were so optimistic. Like They, they really think Barca can do it this year. They were uh, mentioning the new signings, Jennifer Hermoso and Caroline Hansen, how they're going to be really important and they actually play, played really well. It's a matter of, of finding their, their comfort zone outside of, of the John Creef Stadium because during the games, I mean, they have absolute ball control. They're, they're dominating the games and, and they look a big threat for their rivals. Well, that's all for our Match Day 5 recap. But it's exciting times in La Liga because we have a midweek round. There are matches on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday this week. So we will have a Matchday 6 recap coming out for you first thing 
on Friday morning. I'll be back with you then. In the meantime, thanks to contributors Christopher McCormick, Keith Chesters, Jeremy Barron, Roman de Arcair and Paco Pollitt. And of course, thanks to you, the listeners. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.